Listen to this, starting in Psalm 16. Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Keep me safe. Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Our safety has got to be in Jesus. This is a time of evil, a time, a very dangerous time, the Bible says. Is day, the days we live in are evil, and um, people are, are crying out for a refuge, a safety, um, a place where they can be secure and know that no harm is going to come to them. And we find that in the Word of God. We, we've um, exalted Psalms 91, and it talks about God being that safe refuge. Um, but you know, it all starts with making Jesus the Lord of our lives. The Lord. There's a scripture, and it's in 1 Peter, and it tells us that we need to set Part Christ as Lord in our hearts. We need to put him on the throne in our hearts. We need to call upon the name of the Lord in order to receive salvation, deliverance, healing. We need to make Jesus our Adonai, our master. I was reading a scripture earlier today and it was talking about um, God being our shepherd, but not only our shepherd, it said our overseer. And I looked up that word overseer and because I was some some translations say that he is our guardian. And I really like that. And I was really like, oh, yeah, that's that's what I want to use. He's our guardian. He's he's where we're going to find our safety. <laughs> but I looked it up to find out what because some said overseer and that's what it says in the King James Version. He's our overseer. And um, so I looked it up and it said that it was overseer. That that would was more accurate. It could mean guardian, but the, the point that scripture was trying to get across was he, he was our manager. He was in charge. He's the one who directs us. He's the one who we look to for guidance. And so, yes, in the shepherd part, when you see that scripture and it said shepherd, he's our shepherd and Jesus is our overseer. The shepherd is the provision, you know, side of God. He's the protector. He, he provides all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And, but this is our God. He's not only going to just provide all those things, he is going to, he's going to tell us how they're coming. He's going to tell us the steps that we have to take. He's going to lead us into all truth. He is the one who um, who who gets it to us, but he expects us to to uh, 
to cooperate with him. And so it's coming into a relationship with him, that, that setting apart Jesus as Lord in our hearts, making him our, our, our Savior, our King, our Master, our everything, the one we cling to, the one we obey, it's a necessary step in finding our salvation. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, calling upon the name of the Lord is more than just um, saying, Lord, you're my Lord. I believe in you. And then walking away and forgetting you ever made a commitment to God. No, it is a serious commitment to God that says, you are Lord Jesus, you are sitting on a throne right now, and I recognize that you rule over everything. God has put you there. Our Father has has placed you in a position where he wants you to be in charge of my life, and I accept you as my Lord. I accept what you want to do in my life, and I will follow you with every breath I breathe, I will live for you in every action I take, in the thoughts that I think. I am changing my life to make it what you want it to be. Because I recognize that the things that I did in the past, who I was in the past, that is what you redeemed me from. You came. Jesus came to set us free from sin. Jesus came to give us a new life, his life, the God kind of life. Jesus came so that we could be delivered from what was keeping us in bondage. And yes, sin was keeping us in bondage. So he came to give us salvation. And a part of that is realizing salvation is in doing what God wants. Salvation is being tied to him. Abide in me and my words abide in you. Stay hooked up with me. Don't ever leave me. Abide. And I'll abide in you. There's a connection, an entwining there. Back to Psalm 16, that second part. I just love that. You are my Lord and apart from you, I have no good thing. When we depart from God's presence, when we depart from his will, when we depart from his word, when we stop focusing on him, we can't expect the good things in our lives. C.S. Lewis has a quote, and I just I just love that quote, where it says it's a realization to all that apart from God, there is no good thing. It's like maybe he got a hold of this verse and he thought that it's just not even possible to have what is truly good outside of God. And we wonder why the world is in this condition. It's in, it's in this condition because we've been cut off from God. As a people, as the human race, cut off from God, but the kingdom of God's advancing. More and more people are making him Lord. And as they do, as they turn over their lives to him, as they put him on the throne in their hearts, 
they can start to expect the goodness of God in the land of the living. The goodness of God in the land of the living because they've made God a part of their life. And in every area of their life that they say, God, you are on the throne. Jesus, I will follow you. Jesus, you just, I'm going to live and breathe you. In every single area. You can expect to see the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living right now, right in our lives now. We can have that refuge. We can be protected from all harm. We can be healed. We can have the deliverance that God wants us to. We can see our families saved. We can walk in deliverance. We can see um, just that fellowship, that, that desire to be in a community and not to be lonely anymore. We can see peace in our lives. We don't have to be bound and we don't have to be um, just just a wreck on the inside. We can have that inner tranquility that we so desire. We can have what God wants for us. When he's Lord of our lives, when we completely are in him, and he is in us. Abide in me and I'll abide in you, right? Seek me. He says, seek me. Turn your face toward me. Draw close to me. And I will draw close to you. We don't have all of God. <laughs> all of God. We could not even handle even, even the tiniest bit without God's help. And when we first come to know God, he gives us the measure that he, we can handle. He brand new makes us and he puts seeds inside of us. We're new creatures in Christ Jesus. Our spirits have been born again. We have a new nature, but inside of us, our spirit man, we're new to the things of God. Everything is like seeds. We're, we become a garden. The Bible calls us a garden, a farm. And we have to cultivate that. We have to grow. We have to allow our lives to be transformed. We, it, Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about um, us not being conformed to the world any longer. Renewing our minds so that we could be more like him. You know, if this wasn't necessary, he wouldn't have laid it out for us. But this is this is what you are supposed to do. You're born again spiritually, but now you got to do something with your flesh, and you got to do something with your mind. And it, Romans 12, 1 and 2 is so necessary to living the good life, to seeing the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Romans 12, 1 and 2 is all about Jesus, not only saying oh he's lord but really truly making him lord because it is in that place where he really is sitting on the throne of our hearts where he's really there and we're listening to him and he he's our he's he's not just our guardian we're not just thinking oh he's gonna save me from every single disaster because i um i said uh one day i believe in you but but Isley, that's a part. That's that's we need to have that too. But he needs to be our overseer as well. And it's it's we can't have it separate. Those who know him, those who know him are saved. Those who acknowledge him, those who know him, 
Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, oh, and the mercy of God is great. I'm finding out even more and more how great, great is the mercy of God. That's something you should study. God's mercy is great. He goes the distance for us. That's what he, he was on the tree, his sacrifice for us. Great is the mercy of God. He is, he is so generous with his love. He, he, he went the distance. There was no way we could just, there's just absolutely no way we could go that distance. So he went the distance for us and he sacrificed his life. Great is the mercy of God. And he gives us the ability to serve him. He gives us that grace. That is, that is more than what we have thought of it. That is, that is the overwhelming power ability rising up in us where where it talks in Romans Romans 7 I can't do this I can't I there's a war going inside of me what I want to do I can't do grace is the ability to do what we could not do it's the ability to serve him the Philippians says God is working in me giving me the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him we are overcomers by the blood of the lamb by the word of our testimony we can do it it's it, we live by faith we grasp a hold of these things is knowing God and it's it's knowing him and in we can't he gives us this grace this amazing power amazing ability to live for him we couldn't do it before but because of what he did on the cross we now can we have the grace to be able to do it he still expects us to do it apart from him is no good thing he wants to get the good thing to us but we have to live for him he wants to bless us more than we want his blessings. In order for that to happen, we have to come in line with his word. But he gives us what we need to be able to come in line. It was impossible, but it's not impossible anymore. It was something we couldn't do, but he has, oh, with great grace, he has graced us to do the impossible. With God, the Bible says, with God, all things are possible. So we need to be with God and we will see, we will see things change in glory, glory, glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. We will walk into, oh, we will walk into levels and levels of beauty and goodness and his amazing, even his amazing face. There's that, that beautiful song, The Blessing, that we've been hearing. The gracious blessing that God um, offers to us. And it's been sung over us. Oh, what a blessing. That's, that's the great mercy of God. That's what he wants us to experience. Him turning his face toward us. And you know what? He did. And now... It's up to us to turn our face towards him. That's what Jesus on the cross was. Him turning his face back toward humanity. Jesus hung there and he said, Why have you forsaken me? And I love that. Because in him saying that, I know he hasn't forsaken us. Because what he did, Jesus 
that sacrifice, his blood poured out on the tree, we get to live for God. We get the highest privilege of coming into his throne room and knowing him and having him empower us to do what we could not do without him. Now we are with him. So I've been getting there. Here it is. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, in view of what Jesus did for us, in view of that great mercy of God, get get that in your view. Get Jesus in your view. Get what he did for you in your view. Look at him. Behold him. In view of all of that, the Bible tells us to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is our spiritual act of worship. Do not confirm any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, in his perfect will. Remember that Psalm 16 verse 2. It said apart from you is no good thing. And then there's another Psalm that says. Where, where would I be if I did not believe. That I will see the goodness of the Lord. In the land of the living. Some people believe that. That we don't get to experience some things. Until we cross over into heaven. Until we cross over into the life that God has prepared for after after we leave these earthly shells. But that is not God's plan. God's plan is for us to take heaven and bring it to earth for the goodwill of God that is so evident in heaven. That is our responsibility to have that goodness brought into this earth. That's what he made possible on the cross. And in in being able to do that, we also have to be able to, or to, to say, okay, I'm living for you. Apart from you is no good thing. So the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living, good is now. The deliverance now, the healing now, the provision now. All of that is tied up with us being so completely entwined with God's will for us. And laying aside Hebrews. Hebrews talks about us laying aside every weight and every sin that does so easily beset us. Okay, That means trip us up. Keep us from where God wants us to be. Lay it all aside. And it's not lay outside every way and every sin. Not all of it is sin. Not all of it is bad. But it's bad for you if God has something better for you to be doing. And oh, God has something better for us. In, In one of the Timothys, I love it. In one of the Timothys, it talks about us being good soldiers about us being farmers and it also talks about us um being athletes and it talks about those god didn't call us to a lazy slothful do nothing life where we just inherit the blessings without having to put forth any effort nothing no, the Bible is not about us just getting anything we want. The Bible is about us coming in line with God's will and having all of his goodness. Not just what we think we want of him, but his whole self. Us being able to come up to his level. 
And so in Hebrews, it talks about us. I mean, excuse me. It's in one of the, in first or second Timothy, it talks about us. What great books. The whole Bible such such good books. And I've been getting so much out of the Timothys lately. But it talks about us being, uh, being soldiers and that, the idea that the the soldier gives up things that the rest of this nation gets to enjoy the the sacrifices they make because they're so consumed they're so absolutely consumed with the things of that the military has them doing that uh they can't do what we get to do because of the sacrifice that they're making thank god for our military um, the freedom that we have because of the blood that they've shed. Well, we have freedoms because of Jesus's blood. I'm not taking away from what Jesus did on the cross, but he also said, if you are not willing to take up your cross and follow me, then you are not worthy of me. So he sacrificed his life on the cross so that we could carry our cross that we could join up with him. There's, there's a scripture that talks about us being yoked up together with Jesus. Together. By to me and I and you. This is, we're not in it alone. We're in it together with God and he. He gives us the power to be able to do everything that he wants us to do. He still expects us to do. He expects us to do the impossible. But only in doing the things that he asks us to do. Will the impossible be done in our lives? If we are not willing to do the little things that that crucify our own flesh, then we will not see all that God wants to pour out on us. His desire, his longings, his where we're we're going to, all of that is tied up in our life of obedience and all, us picking up our cross. It's there. It's in the Bible. I'm finding it all the time. I, 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 I search through these pages and I just cannot find where we're not supposed to be doing something for God. I just, he, obviously we have to accept what he's done for us because he, he did what we could not do. There was no way we could earn or never, there was never any way we can make up to God for what we've done. We just got to leave that all behind and focus on something else. <laughs> we got to leave that all behind. It's, that's not even the issue anymore. We, we couldn't have done it. He made it possible. We couldn't even have done what's in our future. He he made it possible. Every everything that we're able to do, it's all about the grace of God enabling us to do. He gets all the glory, but we still have our part to play. We have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We have to do our part. And so that soldier, that soldier is uh, focused just completely on what the military wants them to do, whether it's run an extra 10 miles before they go to sleep after they've already worked out every hour of the day. You know, I, I mean, I've never been a part of the military, but I've heard some pretty intense stories and I thank God for them. But that's the kind of life that God requires of his people. And um, it's, it, then, he, then he, he switches he, and he goes to the athlete and talks about, oh, think about these people. The, the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer. How intense are their lives? An athlete that wins a prize? Oh, man. And they are working beyond what the other athletes are working. And they are just so, like, 
Ooh, and the Bible says that they had to compete according to the rules. That's, that was the main part, part that it brought about, out about it brought out about the athlete. He has to compete according to the rules or he will not win. Well, God called us to win. God wants us to win, but there are rules that he has set in place. There is uh, laws in the spirit that he set in place way, 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 way back when. And he does things by speaking them into existence. He and he sets boundaries. He he creates things anew. He changes things. When he when he wants to go in a different direction, God never changes, but he does new things. The Bible tells us he does new things. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. That's scripture. Behold. <laughs> you wouldn't have believed it. If I <laughs> you wouldn't have believed it. Oh behold he does do new things and he sends us in new directions and we have to follow him and we have to do it according to the rules that he has laid out for us we don't get to leave behind his rules and expect to win the prize there's a prize to be had (laughs) and my eyes are on that prize that prize as far as i'm concerned that prize is jesus christ my king focus on him so the other thing the other thing was the uh we said the soldier, we said the athlete. The third one was the farmer. God calls us a garden. And I love this. He says that um, the first, the person who, who is tending the garden, the one who's working in it first, that person, you know, should be able to reap, you know, whatever they're putting into it, whoever's out diligently in the field, that person should be able to be reaping, you know, um, if if we don't get busy tending the garden, if we don't get busy uh, with the word of God, those are seeds, powerful, mighty seeds that God, Jesus, in the Bible, told us when he was here on this earth. He said, have the faith of God. Have the God kind of faith. Get a hold of my words. Get a hold and believe Believe what God has for you. Believe whatever it is that he tells you. That's truth. When, when God comes to us and says, da 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 I don't know what he's saying to you. And it lines up with the word of God so you know this is God speaking. You better know your word because you don't know it's God speaking unless it lines up with the word. And if you don't know the word, you don't know if that's really God speaking to you. You need to study to show yourself approved that you might rightly divide the word of truth okay if you can rightly divide the word of truth you can wrongly divide the word of truth it's very easy so we need to study this bible so we can know but when when we hear from god we can take to the bank when we know that we know that god is speaking to us we can just mm, that that it's settled settled in heaven as far as i'm concerned i'm gonna believe that word it looks impossible it looks opposite to my natural circumstances, but I am going to take that to the bank. That That is my word from God. Um, heavenly deposit right there. Currency right there. I believe that. I believe that word. I don't, I reject anything that's contrary to that word. I take captive vain thoughts. Any imagination that comes up, 
any stronghold. I tear it down because it's not in line with the word of God. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how I feel. I don't care what I'm hearing, okay? If it's not in line with what I heard from God, I'm rejecting it and I'm going with God. I'm stepping out in faith. I'm going to believe him. Okay, so we get this word from God. We got to do something with it. He said, he said, you know, have the God kind of faith. Okay, whatever you believe in your heart and speak with your mouth. He said, you can speak to this mountain right here and you can say, go, go into that sea. And he's going to get up and go into that sea. Whatever you say with your mouth and believe in your heart, you can have whatever you say. Okay? Well, hello? Talk about tending your garden. We're talking about being farmers here, okay? We're talking about using our authority. There are things we've got to speak into existence. And we have to use the word of God to do it. It's no coincidence that before he said all that, he said, have the God kind of faith. Okay, I I know that some translations say have faith in God, and that's good. But if you look it up, it's really saying have the God kind of faith, and that's that's even better. Because you you don't just want to believe that God exists. You don't even just want to believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. That's so extremely vital. It's it's a starting point. But you want to believe everything that God reveals to you. You want to believe everything that he has set out in his word of God as truth. You want to believe what he believes. That's the goal. I don't think I've arrived yet, but I sure were am. I sure am working toward it. That's the goal. Jesus said, have the God kind of faith. He didn't just say, have faith in God. And that's a good starting part. People all the time, oh yeah, I believe in God. Yeah, that's a good starting part. Do you believe what God believes? Because if you do, if you believe it in your heart, you've heard from God, you believe it in your heart and you speak it with your mouth, you can have whatever you speak. Talk about tending a garden. We have some work to do. We need to cultivate the field, our hearts that God has given us. Because that's what it says, is believe in, in your heart. Well, we don't start out believing everything in our heart. It takes a little bit to get it down in there. Okay, so that's, God says, you are a garden. He tells us that he puts things, um, he works by seed, time, and harvest. And he tells us the word of God is seed. He tells us that we have uh to be like farmers, okay? And then we have to get busy about tending the garden. We need to tend our own hearts and make sure the things that are growing there, hey, you could be ignoring your garden. You could be like, this this chick is crazy. Do you not know what she's talking about? I'm a garden, I'm no garden. And you're gonna have weeds growing there. If you don't do anything about the garden, if you don't tend to it, it's not like there's nothing and it's vacant and nothing is growing there. The devil is still planting things. He's putting uh, suggestions in your path. He's he's making you something other than a beautiful garden. I mean, uh, I I don't know what kind of things, but it's full of weeds and ugliness, thorns. 
just, you walk into that garden and, I mean, you don't want to stay, okay? You want to, let's get out of here. Well, we don't even know. The thing is, the world can't see clearly. There's blindfolds. They can't, they don't know. But when we come to the light, when we come to Jesus, the light is turned on and we begin to see. He doesn't show us everything at once. Step by step, he shows us more and more. And as we tend to what he shows us and we walk into the truth and the light that he gives us, we grow. And then he shows us something else. He leads us that way. We couldn't handle it all at once. But God, he puts in us, he plants in us seeds. The more we spend time with him, the more we listen to him, the more we study about him, the more we desire to know him and yield to that desire and turn off the outside influences that are doing us no good, laying aside those weights and those sins that do hold you back. They're there. That's Hebrews. Okay, they're there. It happens. We need to acknowledge it, recognize it, realize that God has something bigger and greater plan for us and in order to get to that place every single one of us God has just immense where we would look at it now we would be like that's just that's beyond I know God can do the impossible but we're talking about me that he wants to use But I'm telling you right now, you might feel that way in the beginning. Oh, and he doesn't show us everything for that very reason. Because it is, it's huge. But he can get you to that hugeness. And that was his intention. He didn't intend anybody to fall short. We were created in his image. Do you think he had planned for us things that weren't of huge magnitude? What he is calling us to, his destiny for us, for each and every single one of us is beyond us. And he has put within us gifts. He has a call upon our life. And if we never cultivate the garden, if we never become like the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer, spiritually speaking, using the principles that we learn from these types of workers, um, then we, we don't get to we don't get to enjoy the destiny that he has planned for us. The choice is up to us. It, 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 the choice is up to us. The destiny that he has for us is up to us. Okay? He, he calls us to greatness. But if we reach that greatness, it, it all has to do about what, what we're doing. Obviously, I'm not saying that we can make it happen. But we have to yield to him in order for it to happen. Obviously, we cannot do it in another self. What he, what the, oh, the immense amazingness that he calls us to and rise up in. It's, it's just, it's glorious. He, I mean, Adam and Eve in the garden, they were clothed in glory. They were clothed in the presence of God. We're beginning to see it, but I don't think we've seen it yet. I don't think we've returned to that that state yet where we are just so immensely glorified 
that we so resemble God because we're so clothed in him. That's where we're headed, from glory to glory. The scripture's leading us from glory to glory. We're supposed to be changed into his very image, looking more and more like God. And we might think, and, and it is true, this is about his holiness, being changed more and more like him. This is about his character, but it's about him. And we need to realize it's, it's, it's that, the holiness, that the character, that attribute of him, the rightness, the righteousness, the, all of that is how all of the other is. This means we're clothed in power. This means that we're seeing dead people rise from the dead. That's what it means. Jesus raised people from the dead. Look at Lazarus didn't stay in the grave. He turned to, I believe it was Martha. Maybe it was both of them. He turned, did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Hey, we need, we need to take off our sun visors and be like, okay, <laughs> show me, Lord, because I've been I'm spending too much time in the shade. I've been, I've been used, just not focusing on all of your immense goodness and all the generosity that you have for us. It's time for me to just behold you and come up to your level even more and, and to desire you and realize this, this other stuff that I've been playing with, it's not even worth it. What have I been doing? Just I look back at some of the years of my life and I'm like, what in the world? I wasted my time. What what was I don't think what I'm doing now is a waste of time. Oh dear father. But what did I do before? And we can't live in regret. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying what everybody else, what the world is so consumed about, we need to get to the place where we realize that is just why did I even bother? There's, there's nothing there when you compare it to the immense pleasures that God has for us. There is no comparison. What, what the devil offers is so limited and it so brings death into people's lives. Death. Separation from good. Apart from you is no good thing. Psalm 16 too, right? But apart from God is no good thing, okay? So death. Death is not good. Satan desires death for us. What he tempts us with, all that junk. And even, remember, sins and weight. So even the stuff that isn't even necessarily sin. But we're not doing it to glorify God. And I I don't mean he doesn't want us to have clean entertainment. And, and God wants us to enjoy life like we, we can't even imagine. Unless we've been spending time in his word and imagine things his way. I mean, we just, our, our, our minds need to be renewed because just, whoa, he wants us to enjoy the God kind of life. We're not going to have the God kind of life unless we leave behind some of these petty distractions that are just pathetic. Not calling people pathetic. People are amazing. Created in the image of God for beautiful things for godly things, for enjoyable things. It's not the people. It's the distractions that Satan has put in our life that's pathetic. We don't realize it at first. How can we? We have been wearing blindfolds. 
We think these things are like awesome. But God has created us for true awesomeness. We just got to walk into it. We got to find it. And in order to get there, we got to leave other things behind. So let's do it. So praise the Lord. I'm so glad I've had a couple minutes to share what's on my heart today. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Bye.